Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I fly to you from Russia with love. Oh, the drama of it all. Oh, Matt Monroe. Well... Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Thank you, man. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What an intro. Well, this week I start with From Russia with Love because I just got back from Russia. I spent uh, the last few weeks in Russia and Scandinavia. I was doing research on a play that I'm writing. It's the only way to travel. You can write it off. And as I usually do, people in my blog know this, uh, when I go away for a long trip, I tend to write humorous travelogues. In fact, I assembled a whole bunch of them into a book that's available on Amazon called Where the Hell Am I? Trips I Have Survived. That is available. But I thought since I now have a podcast, I am going to do an audio version of my travelogue and also give you a chance to meet a couple of people along the way. So that's what this week is all about on Hollywood, Scandinavia, and Russia, and Levine. Okay, I've cut down on the number of these travelogues because who cares that I go to Solvang, California? But uh, hopefully you will find this one amusing and want to make your holiday plans. So my wife Debbie and I uh, went to Scandinavia and Eastern Europe We spent three days in Copenhagen. We took a cruise to St. Petersburg and other bergs that you will meet, and also three days in Stockholm. And we flew Norwegian Airlines because they were kind of cheap, and they flew direct from Los Angeles. But you remember the glory days of Pan Am Airlines? You know, they were the first ones to really have first-class service. They used to call it the Pan Am Experience. And if you were in first class for meals, they would come around with carts, and they would carve Chateaubriand right at your seat. Well, this is no joke. This is the truth. Norwegian first-class meals are served in cardboard boxes. They don't even remove the tin foil from the hot entrees. And this is because it says right on the tin foil what they're serving, like beef or chicken. Otherwise, truly, 
you would have no clue as to what you are eating. One of the things I'm also going to be doing is posting a number of pictures on Instagram. So if you sign up for Hollywood and Levine, you can check those out. And one that I definitely am going to share with you is a picture of this first-class meal, the Norwegian experience. But it wasn't a 737, and we managed to land safely, so I love them. Now we're in Copenhagen, which really is solving with canals. A very charming city. It has a rich and futile history. Every tour guide will tell you with curious pride how Denmark lost practically every war it ever entered. Their military museum really should just be a collection of white flags. Well, one thing you got to see there is the Little Mermaid statue, which, by the way, was voted the fourth most disappointing tourist attraction in the world. The Mona Lisa is number one. What it is is just this tiny statue with all these tourists just hanging all over it. Now, many souvenir shops in Copenhagen, believe it or not, don't sell any Little Mermaid items. The reason? Well, these stores are owned by Muslims, and the Little Mermaid is naked. It is the fourth most disappointing souvenir omission in the world. Twice vandals cut off the Little Mermaid's head, and the police actually considered both murder cases. And you'll be happy to know that she has since been repaired, although now her head looks a lot more like Lena Olin and less Anne Margaret. Now, the weather our first day was a mix of brilliant sunshine and then driving rain, and it would change back and forth like every 10 minutes. No wonder their armies kept losing those wars. They never knew what to wear. 40% of the workforce commutes via bicycles in Copenhagen. I was forever dodging them. Think Death Race 2000. And it wouldn't be so bad, except everybody also drinks massive amounts of Carlsberg beer. Everyone in Copenhagen is incredibly nice and beautiful. Imagine an entire country of Alicia Vikander's. And by the way, the next head that goes on the Little Mermaid will be hers. We had an amazing seafood dinner. Oh, man, I'm going to try my best to pronounce these things, but I know I'm going to butcher them. Okay, it's uh, Ked Bayen's Fisk Bar (laughs) or something like that. Plus, they gave us a tour of the kitchen. Now, they were kind of disappointed, however, when my wife and I couldn't shuck oysters. Well, I can't. Copenhagen was the home of Hans Christian Andersen, and there is supposedly a statue of him, but the likeness looks nothing like Danny Kay. Although, maybe after somebody cuts off the head, next time it will. Here's a restaurant recommendation I can't pronounce. Vakest. V-A-E-K-S-T. The cuisine is New Nordic. Order that thing that starts with a K and has like 17 consonants. I don't know what it is because there was no tinfoil. People in Denmark are among the happiest in the world. They get free education. They have colorful row houses, free health care, herring, beautiful architecture, and Ikea instead of Ivanka, which reminds me, 
No one in Denmark can assemble IKEA furniture either. And uh, you might remember our unhinged president was supposed to go to Copenhagen sometime this month. Now, the moron wants to buy Greenland, which is controlled by Denmark. Well, when the prime minister said that that was absurd, he canceled his trip. You lucky Danes. I say Denmark should declare war. Seriously, this is a war you could finally win. I'm sure even our military would prefer to be ruled by Queen Marguerite. After three days, we boarded a cruise liner for the week's spin around the Baltic Sea. Why cruising? Well, my play depends on it, number one. And uh, I like when countries come to me. Plus, who can resist a gala show of the great American songbook sung by Ukrainians? We spent a day in Tallinn in Estonia. Now, Estonia is about the size of New Hampshire, and they are celebrating their 28th year of independence. True story. They were also independent between 1918 and 1920, and literally one day in 1944. Otherwise, they pretty much were a cat toy battered around between Russia and Germany. Their chief export is pianos. The old town in Tallinn was very charming, and it looked like fantasy land and Disneyland with no rides, just all souvenir stands. And they also boasted a pharmacy that was established in 1422, Now, back then, medicine consisted of plant roots, marzipan, and dried feces of cats and dogs. But the latter was only available with a prescription. And apparently when occupied, and they were occupied a lot, Estonians say that they preferred the Germans to the Russians. (laughs) Okay, they preferred the Nazis to the Russians. So what does that say about how despicable the Russians were? And with that in mind, I was back in the USSR. Now, we went to St. Petersburg, which I truly loved, despite the fact that I was paranoid every second. But we hit good weather, which is a sentence you rarely hear when describing St. Petersburg. They get maybe 60 partly sunny days a year, and we got two of them. Culture-wise, it is a celebration of Russia's 0.000001%. Almost every building was commissioned by some czar or nobleman in 1758. And they were all trashed by the Bolsheviks or the Nazis, or they were flooded or left for disrepair, but now they've been restored and they're glorious. Really, you've got to see St. Petersburg. Well, we were part of a tour the entire time there, and that was really the only way that we could get a visa. Plus, I don't want to walk around by myself there. My God. Our uh, guide, and it's a name that's almost impossible to pronounce, but I'm going to let her do it for you, was the best and most knowledgeable tour guide that I have ever had. And our driver, Ivan, and that's not his real name, was, I suspect, a KGB operative. Now, you remember that classic first season episode of The Sopranos when Tony took Meadow to look for a college? Well, 
We go off to the Fabergé Museum for an hour. Ivan whacks some dissident somewhere, and he's back in time to take us to the Hermitage. The city's visionary was Peter the Great, although you talk to some people and they still think of him as Peter the Mech. Now, he saw the culture and architecture of Western Europe, and he realized that Russia was Gary, Indiana. So he built St. Petersburg by pretty much copying everything Italian and French. They didn't mind that they just copied things. In fact, he sent sculptors and artists off to Rome for five years and said, just do what they're doing, okay? (laughs) There was no copyright. Just copy anything you can. Okay, so he built St. Petersburg to look like France and Italy. And he also erected his summer palace there, even though the weather is actually worse in St. Pete than in Moscow. And now I would like to introduce you to my guide in St. Petersburg. Okay, first of all, how do you even pronounce your name? Virinea. <laughs> uh, in Russian, it's Virinea. Try to pronounce that. All right. So we're in St. Petersburg, and you're our tour guide. Um, are we the best people that you've ever had to Definitely. show around? <laughs> Definitely. But it's true that you ask a lot of questions, and that's how we qualify a good tourist. Uh-huh. The one with questions. Okay. Uh, and, and we do ask a lot of yes. a lot of personal questions, not, don't we? Yes. Not you, like your where, wife, but where, yes. Right. Where did you meet your boyfriend, we asked, I, I think. Um, and also... How come all of the czars died horribly? <laughs> yes, I didn't find an answer to that. <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm, I'm going to find some information on more natural causes of death of Russian czars. Okay, because it does seem that they were all either executed or assassinated. Not all of them, but those who were, they are usually more interesting for the story. And they're usually, they left more traces in the city. Uh huh. But okay. there, are, there are some natural deaths, I assure you, there are some. Okay, because when I talked to you yesterday and I said, well, the theme seems to be death, and you said it was survival, and then you <laughs> yes. talked about who is the czar that they tried to kill five times? Yes. Uh, yes. Alexander II, uh-huh. who's actually he's, he's known as a victim of a terrorism, of political terrorism, because he was killed by a terrorist in 1881. But in fact, before that, he escaped. He was uh, very close to death five times. He was attacked five times um, over 20 years, but he managed to survive each time and each time it was something that he wasn't in the room where the explosion happened because he for example decided to go back to kiss his wife uh, goodbye or something uh-huh. and every single time uh, because of this small miracles he survived so for us it can be a story of survival <laughs> <laughs> and that is inevitable so it's okay and uh, if someone comes to St. Petersburg what do they need to see absolutely um, they need to see the Hermitage Museum. They need to walk a lot on their two feet. And um, they need to see one of the palaces. They can decide which one. Yes. They need to experience some nightlife too, or evening life, depending on your age. Uh huh. Yeah. Pretty good here, huh? Uh, in Australia, along the planet tour, guys, St. Petersburg was called uh, one of the four uh, best cities for partying. 
yeah, we have the biggest number of bars per person in Eastern Europe, so it should be qualified for something. All right, so if you're not assassinated, it's a great place to be. Yes, or then you can get assassinated anyway, but you won't care. Thank you, Viranera. I think that's what it is. Oh, no, here's another name I got to pronounce. Uh, we went to Yusupov Palace, and that is where Rasputin was murdered. And, of course, that was part of the tour. However, we did not get to see where the great writer Alexander Pushkin was killed in a duel. Truly, in St. Petersburg, death by poison is considered natural causes. Now, I mentioned the Hermitage Museum. It is magnificent and massive. You could kill four czars in the time it would take just to peruse the entire collection. But not to be missed, the Impressionist and the Post-Impressionist and you go to see them and also avoid the crowds because they're all in another building taking pictures of the mummy. Now, I was hoping to stop by the U.S. Election Control Center to see who wins next year, but we had to go to Peterhof. Peterhof was Peter the, thought a whole lot of himself, summer palace, and it's about 30 miles out of town. Apparently, he was more concerned with the grounds than the ridiculously large house. Peterhof was Versailles with whoopee cushions. And yes, that requires an explanation. Like I said, Peter was really big on gardens and especially fountains. And this is a true story. He had trick benches installed in the gardens. You would sit on one and it would trigger a fountain that would drench you. King Peter the Jerry Lewis. We toured the inside of the palace and... uh, It was what you'd expect, just opulent room after opulent room, lifestyles of the rich and infamous. And I assume, since Peter didn't give a crap about the house, that he and his wife had numerous fights along the way. Okay, like, you know, what do we need? Gold sculptures. How often are we even going to be in this room? And do you know how expensive it is to heat? We have 17 ballrooms. Isn't that enough? How am I going to sleep with all this construction going on? You know, what we really need are more benches. Well, you could see where Karl Marx and the worker boys might have had an issue with this massive white elephant that was only occupied by the royal family a few weeks a year. Now, if he were smart, Peter would have just set up a timeshare with the king of Spain. To walk through the palace, we had to don these paper slippers. God forbid we should scuff the parquet floors. However, I don't think the Nazis put paper slippers over their jackboots when they stole all the artwork, destroyed the palace, and cut down 14,000 majestic trees. And the Estonians still preferred them. Wow. A highlight for me was riding their subway system. I love to ride subway systems in different cities. Well, every stop had chandeliers and decorative columns. And yeah, okay, a couple still had hammers and sickles. But, you know, I could easily picture a royal family just standing on the platform waiting for the 1023 into town. Now, there's no graffiti, 
because, you know, Taggers would receive a visit from Ivan after he dropped us off at the Church of the Savior Unspilled Blood, which, by the way, was one of the attractions. And like Vermeulen said, there is a great nightlife in St. Petersburg. As she said, the most bars in Eastern Europe, although it is hard for me to imagine anything resembling a happy hour in the Soviet Union. By the way, the correct way to drink vodka, I learned, is in a shot glass with a slab of lard atop a little square of rye bread. That's true. Anything without lard is considered an umbrella drink. Okay, so after three days of St. Petersburg, we arrived in Helsinki, Finland, at 8 o'clock, and it was just pouring. But it let up, and we were only able to get out and explore the city for a few hours before setting sail again. So, okay, this is just a first impression, and I'm sure I'm wrong, but to me, it felt like Cleveland. And that's all I've got about Helsinki. Bucket list, check. We debarked the next morning in Stockholm. And this is the city, I'm sure you know, where they hand out the Nobel Prizes. Personally, I'm tired of holding out hope, and I just decided to pay for the damn trip myself. Stockholm is one of the most picturesque cities I have ever seen. I probably took about 500 gorgeous photos that I'm never going to look at again, and I'm going to put some up on Instagram so that you won't look either. But everywhere you turn, there seems to be a statue of King Gustav on a horse. But there are like 16 Gustavs. Some are good, some are bad. Now, during the reign of one of the duds, the country just went out to Europe and hired somebody to take over. Oh my God, I wish we could do that here. There has got to be a French sword swallower with better leadership skills than what we have in America currently. But I digress. As for Sweden's monarchy, the only actual Swedes left in the royal family are a former fitness trainer and the country's answer to Kim Kardashian. Did you know that there are 221,800 islands in Sweden? 221,800. I mean, 184,000, sure. But 221? Well, let's hope we do something about global warming so that that number isn't reduced to six. We made a beeline to Gamlestan, which is their old town, and we learned the Swedish version of history. And this is very interesting because... Every country has their own version of history, and every country just blames the other countries, okay? They're just these happy-go-lucky, innocent, herring fishermen, and these marauders come and take away their lands, okay? Well, in theirs, in Sweden's, it was the ruthless Danes, the evil Astorians, and the mad Russians who wreaked havoc. Now, the Danes, remember, portrayed themselves as just these lovable losers. But in Gamlestan, they were responsible for a bloodbath 
1520. And Finland doesn't come off looking too swift either, but that's because uh, they recently beat Sweden in hockey. Sweden's two big triumphs are winning the 30-year war in 1648 and the Eurovision singing competition in 1974, which introduced the world to ABBA. ABBA in Sweden are the Beatles, Sinatra, Elvis, and Gaga all in one. And to talk a little bit about ABBA, I caught up with Jesse Wallen, who is the number one morning radio personality in Stockholm and all of Sweden. We talked about ABBA and a few other things relating to Stockholm. So you're the morning man on what station in Stockholm? Uh, I'm at the Star FM, it's called, and it's uh, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now, is that a nice way of saying all ABBA all the time? No. <laughs> How much ABBA do you play? Uh, we play quite a lot of ABBA, but you know, uh, uh, Swedish people heard it a lot, so it, it, it's, it, you burn them up. You know, uh -huh. it, you play Ace of Bass instead. Yeah, we play Ace of Bass as well. <laughs> I have not seen any Volvos on the street out here. No, no, I have not seen a single Volvo. What's what's going on? Uh, you've been in the wrong streets. <laughs> You, uh, the luxury hotel you live at, it's only Bentleys and Rolls. Oh, that, that could be it, yeah, exactly, that's yeah, because that's the way I roll. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody even in Stockholm know how to assemble IKEA furniture? Nobody in the words know how to assemble them. That's one of the big things, you know. It's actually, an, uh, it's the first test you do when you get married. If you get it through, putting them together without having, having a fight, uh -huh. you're going to have a happy marriage. <laughs> and 80% of the marriages fail, probably. Yeah, I've been married two times, three times, actually. Okay. With the same women, same woman. You met her, Susan. Oh, so you've been married, divorced, married, divorced? Yeah, I, we call it the pause for four years. Ah. <laughs> She's okay, I'm crazy, I'm sorry. Now, I understand in the winter when it gets very cold out here, that people like to go to Ikea for brunch yeah. because the meatballs are cheap. Yeah, it's extremely cheap. And in the Christmas, you can do a whole uh, uh, smorgasbord, full of, you know, Swedish smorgasbord, uh -huh. uh, for nearly nothing. And I don't know why it's so cheap, but people actually go there just for the food. And then they buy some napkins or whatever, but, you know... Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> it's, it's cheap. We like cheap things. <laughs> How cold does it get here in the winter? Uh, it could be like, uh, I can't say it in Fahrenheit but because I don't know, uh, but uh, like 25, 30 uh, Celsius below zero. That's 211 degrees Fahrenheit oh, below zero. Sounds, sounds a lot colder. <laughs> yeah, very cold. You get used to it, actually. You get used to it. And, uh, sometimes when it's like 35 below zero, I, you go out in a T-shirt, but just for a short while. I mean, going with the trash or whatever. You, you get used to it. So it must be weird in the winter. I understand when you're doing a morning show, you're driving in and it's dark. But in the winter, you finish your show at 10 in the morning, it's still dark, right? It's actually dark the whole... The, in some parts of Sweden, it's dark all day. But usually, I get in like 5, it's dark. Uh, I do the morning show, it's dark. And uh, then we have a little light like in 12 in the noon and when i go home like two it's dark 
And that is depressing. The problem is not the cold, it's the darkness in Sweden. A lot of, a lot of uh, English or American guys meet uh, Swedish women, move here and get shocked. Not of the, of the, the temperature, uh, of the darkness. It's right. really tough. Yeah, well, so the women are beautiful here, though. I can yeah. see why they would do it. Yeah. <laughs> and you just put on some ABBA and you feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's your solution for everything, isn't everything. it? Everything. Meatballs and ABBA. Sheep meatballs and ABBA. Ooh, love it. Thank you, Jesse Wallen, Star FM, if you happen to be in Sweden and speak Swedish. But uh, he's a legend back there. It was really cool to meet him, by the way. Anyway, another Swede who conquered the world was Pippi Longstocking. Why aren't there statues of her on a horse? And like Jesse said, the real ordeal of Sweden winters is the darkness. For several months, they may only get sunlight, as he said, from noon to 2 p.m., No wonder Ingmar Bergman movies are considered comedies in Sweden. And the darkness was so prevalent that you go to hotels and the blackout curtains are lace. Speaking of hotels, (laughs) we stayed at At Six, the At Six Hotel, which is best described as 400 rooms of gloom. Everything is monochromatic and a little weird. Everything is black or gray. And the hallways are deep gray, which in the winter probably appear cheerful. Again, I am going to show you a picture of one of the hallways if you sign up for my Instagram account. And in their mini bar, I've never seen this. Have you? One of the things they offer in addition to, you know, the usual peanuts and candy bars and everything, men's underpants. I kid you not. Well, we took a lazy boat ride around the uh, archipelago. And since it was a three-hour tour, my daughter Annie suggested that I bring four years' worth of clothing. Hey, it turns out that Vikings never wore those horn hats, despite historical evidence from Bugs Bunny cartoons. Make sure you visit the Vasa Museum if you go to Stockholm. The Vasa is Sweden's Hindenburg. Now, it was a glorious warship, took two years to build, and it was finally finished in 1628. And it looked like the most glorious pirate ship you have ever seen. You know, and they had those ports to shoot off cannons. Well, King Gustav the whatever... I think it was Gustav II at that point, uh, said, you know what, why don't we have like a second tier? And uh, the shipbuilders were going, I might be uh, making the boat a little too toppy. Oh, come on, let's do it. Let's, Let's have our own version of the Space Force. So they did. They built this beautiful ship and... It set sail in 1628, and it sank literally moments after its christening ceremony. It was like a little breeze, a little zephyr. The cannon ports were open because they were shooting off cannons to celebrate. The faulty construction, 
and the ship teetered and it righted itself and it kind of kept going and then another breeze came along and capsized it and within minutes the entire ship sank to the bottom of the harbor 50 foot vessel and it sank to the bottom of the harbor i mean there were still people standing on the pier cheering this thing like you know what the hell is this you know and uh 30 men died only 30 uh most of the crew <laughs> saw it was going down and swam back to shore but uh it it stayed in the water for centuries and finally it was discovered and it was pulled out of the sea in 1959 and there's a film about it and it's just miraculous to like watch this vessel suddenly appear out of the depths of the sea and it was amazingly preserved so they spent years basically hosing it down and making sure that the wood wouldn't dry out and rot, etc. And they did whatever processing they had to do and they put it in this museum. And you go to this museum and there it is, 95% of the ship, and it was made out of wood, 95% of the ship is the original Vasa. There's only like 5% of new wood that's uh, along the hull uh, that it was required to make it 100%. But it's incredible. You have to go see the Vasa Museum. On the trip home, we flew over Greenland. Seriously, Denmark, declare war on us. Donald the Insane will be too busy dropping atomic bombs in the Atlantic Ocean to disrupt hurricanes. I mean, if you have one tank, even if it's from 1967, the United States of America can be yours. I fly to you from Russia Okay, all right, we get it. Thank you, Matt Monroe, James Bond theme, Russia with love. Okay, well, that will do it for this week of Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks to Virin Area, <laughs> Vreening Area, uh, my fabulous guide, also to Jesse Wallen and to Adam and I believe it's pronounced Susie Meister Butler and to Howard Hoffman and John Wolfert. Again, if you want to see some photos, go to Instagram because I'm going to post a whole bunch of them and uh, it's Hollywood and Levine if you want to sign up for my Instagram account. Also, if you want to email me for any reason, Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. That's Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine. That will do it for this week. Oh, I could use a five-star review and, um, and a Tums for all the herring. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Levine. <laughs>